0: I'm Jane Schwartz, and welcome to the Real Podcast. I'm a certified professional life coach and a regular person on my own personal growth journey. I've worked with people in the service field for over 25 years and I have coached many people to create a more satisfying and meaningful life. I've also overcome tremendous personal obstacles and built the life of my dreams. The personal growth journey is about committing to a lifetime of learning and empowering yourself to make changes that will bring you closer to your dreams. You can activate your full potential and a better, brighter future through commitment to your own personal growth process. Although your journey is yours to travel alone, on The Real, I will cultivate conversations about real topics, that can help guide and motivate you on your personal growth journey and help improve your physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, social and financial health. So join me on The Real and learn how to embrace and harness your full potential to transform your life and the lives of others. I'm so excited about today's podcast. I have Lisa Dahl from lisadahlwellness.com. Lisa is certified in intuitive eating, mindful eating, health and wellness coaching, and personal training. We talk about how our body image affects our food behavior and how traditional dieting doesn't work. We will learn How to Respect Our Bodies and Treat It Well with Intuitive Eating. Although Lisa speaks mostly to women in this podcast today, the content in today's podcast applies to men, women, and children.
1: Hi Lisa and welcome and thank you so much. I have that you are an intuitive eating and body image coach.
2: Yes. What does that mean? So I work with women to help them break free from dieting, diet culture, and to help them undiet their life. So what that really means is that many women feel that they are safe when they are dieting. And then when they stop dieting, they're out of control. With the practice of intuitive and mindful eating, you're not in control or out of the You learn to just be because you're no longer following rules and restrictions and you learn to listen, trust, and respect your own body through the practice of intuitive eating because our relationships to food and body are complicated and it's just not about the food. It's all these other things and we think that if we follow all of these things, we're going to get it right and we keep doing it over and over and over again. And right. when you stop dieting through the practice of intuitive and mindful eating, you shift your perspective and your relationship, so I help people heal their relationship to food and body. I love that because you know what? I was reading on your website, which is a
1: great website by the way, um, which is um, lisa dahl d a h l wellness dot com with food, it begins to nourish you physically and emotionally.
2: And I love that, that
1: it's no longer the enemy.
2: That is correct. That food, we have been taught to put food into categories. It's a good food, bad food. Therefore, if I eat good food, I'm good. And if I eat bad food, I'm bad. Right. So when we take the moral judgment away from food, food becomes just food. It's just right. a neutral experience. And we begin to understand that because food has no moral value, we have permission to eat all food and we understand the relationship about that food and and our body.
1: Right. I remember when I was on my dieting cycle, I, exactly what you said, when I wasn't dieting, I felt like something was wrong and I, you know, even though when I was dieting, nothing was happening, but I was, you know... <laughs>
2: It's, it's, crazy. It's, it's perspective, it's mindset, and it takes a long time to get out of that diet mentality. Yeah. And what happens is that when you follow principles to the best that you can and are not stuck on rules and restrictions and deprivation, you end up never having to diet again because you, start, you are very connected to your body and everything shifts. Yes, yeah. yes. It's all about that self awareness, right? Yes, absolutely. We work on getting out of our heads and into our body. Right. Is body image issues at the
1: center of the diet crisis we're in, do you think?
2: Absolutely. I mean, nobody wakes up and decides that. They are just going to go on a diet just because. Because is often about our society's dogma of what our bodies are supposed to look like. Body image starts when you are told something is wrong with your body or you have been looking at social media, you have been looking around you, you're looking at magazines, you're reading things, and everything and everyone around you tells you that there is something wrong with your body. We are born loving our bodies. We are born with curiosity. If you think back to a baby and they discover their toe and the joy and the giggles that they have, we love our bodies until we are told differently. Mm -hmm. And then everything starts to change. So dieting is a direct response to our body image. Because body image is comprised of four different components. It's our perception, how we see our body, how we visually see our body creates how we think about our body. Mm -hmm. Then we have our effective body image is about how you feel about your body. Then we have our cognitive body image, which is about how you think about your body, which comes from your perceptions. Uh And then we have our behavioral body image, which is the way that we behave as a result of our perception, affective, and cognitive body body image. And behavioral is the way that these thoughts impact our lives. And therefore, most of us take all that information and say, oh, I need to go on a diet. I need to fix myself. Because the poor body image gives us low self-esteem, and then we have a distorted relationship with food, and then we're disconnected with our innate self-worth. What can we do to have a good body image?
1: What can we do to do that?
2: So one of the first things, there's a couple of things. Um, When I work with clients, you know, people will often say, you know, if they're talking about somebody or they'll say something about themselves, like, I have no self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from comparison. When I'm having, you know, when you look at somebody else, you are immediately, you know, organizing your thoughts and comparing. So if you think somebody is in a smaller, quote, better body, then your self-esteem is on the floor. If you're looking at somebody who perhaps may be in a larger body than yours, all of a sudden your self-esteem is higher. So self-esteem is either good or bad. When you learn to focus on self-compassion, how, you know, offering kindness and knowing that you are not alone in these experiences, it shifts your relationship to how you treat yourself. So I work a lot with self-compassion versus self-esteem. And there's a lot of science that is pointing towards focusing on what your body can do. Not on how it looks, but how to think about what it is your body is capable of. You know, you have a beating heart. We breathe. We have hands to touch the world and to connect with people. We, um, you know, our legs, they carry us. Our bellies, you know, as women, they can create and hold life. They can create babies. We focus on we all the things that our bodies can do and not about how our bodies look. And healing our body image is a slow process. It's not something that just happens overnight. So we can't go from being at war with our body to loving our body. We have to start to take our thoughts and create new thoughts with our experiences.
1: Mhm. I love that. I love the distinction between self-esteem and self-compassion. Self- passion is something I think you have to actively work on and teach yourself. And then to go even a step further and look at your body from the miracle of its functioning, right? Yes. The miracle that this body gives us, the joys that we would not be able to experience without this body and the function of our body, not the way it looks. And I know I changed that perspective. And when I changed looking at my body from A loving standpoint I took much better care of it and I appreciate it more
2: and I know that's so important so you hit on you hit on several things I mean I think today's world we are starting to learn more about compassion versus self-esteem but it's a slow it's a slow slow shift and when we practice self-compassion we're talking about self-kindness we're talking about mindfulness we're talking about common humanity And we're often more compassionate with others. We need to learn to bring that compassion into ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, people often will say, you know, well, self-compassion, it's kind of, you know, the easy way out. You're giving yourself a break. And it's quite the contrary. Beating ourselves into submission and torturing ourselves hasn't proven to work. What would it feel like when you change that dialogue? And self-compassion actually creates more self-resiliency within ourselves. And those are things that we need to connect the dots with in that we are practicing to be more resilient. We are not just giving ourselves a pass or a pity party. There's a difference between, you know, being lost in our thoughts and being kind to ourselves. And when we're talking about, You know, how do we start to be kind to ourselves? You know, noticing our language. Your language might be, you know, my body is so huge today. And you can shift that to I'm having a hard body day or I'm feeling really sad about my body today, offering compassion. Um, You know, it's important to notice as, you know, what are you consuming what are you seeing in social media? What are you reading? What are you seeing in the books that you're looking at, the magazines, standing at the supermarket? When you are noticing all of these images that are before and after pictures and, you know, oh, she lost X, X pounds and now she's this. Right. How does that make you feel? Right. When you, when you curate a different seed, when you change to what you're looking at, and you start to see bodies of all different shapes and sizes you start to feel more accepted so you can make a conscious effort to be in communities where you see you where you are where you feel socially accepted where everybody is accepted there's no best body
1: wow. there are so
2: many places that we can go that we can start to feel like we fit in when you're looking at somebody's feed and all it is is before and after pictures, you don't feel like you belong. You feel like you're the outsider. When you curate your feed with people who are practicing intuitive eating and body positivity, you're going to see people that look like you and you're going to say, like, wow, like, I am okay. I can belong. You don't have to be in a a thinner body is not a better body. A thinner body is not a healthier body. It is only those thoughts that we have been taught to believe. And we can reframe those thoughts. Wow. That's very
1: powerful. What we tell ourselves is so important. And you mentioned something about, you know, I often get the uglies, okay? I just Mm -hmm. feel terrible about how I look, and I'm sure other people have these days.
2: And it's shifting that language. You know, when you see yourself and you say, you know, and that word is just such a great word. And it softens it. You know, it's... I don't know why it feels uglies feel better, feels softer than ugly. For right. some reason, it just feels a little bit kinder. Right. Uh, you know, what are you looking at? You know, what are you seeing when you see, you know, your jiggly arms? You're, you know, how do you shift that thought to, I am so grateful that I have these arms that I can do X with?
1: Absolutely.
2: It is refocusing on, it is about being gratified, you know, noticing the gratification that you have within your body. And it is known, like, when you are grateful towards your body, it can improve your body image and decrease the weight bias internalization that you're feeling. And it's a Uh practice. You don't Mm -hmm. go from... You know, hate, you know, as I said earlier, you don't go from hating your body to loving your body. It's creating new thoughts that are believable. Right now, I'm hating my body to shifting it to today, I'm having a hard body day. Right. Something that just gives it a little edge of softness and kindness. And then you're going to continue to move forward in the continuum as you practice. Make a list, you know, fold a piece of paper in half. Make a list of all those negative things that you could t- typically say to yourself so that you can learn to practice writing down something that's a little bit kinder, softer, and have that list as a go-to list so that you don't have to come up. When you're in the heat of the moment, it's hard to be kind. When you have a go-to and you can look at something and say, like, okay, here's that paper. I'm gonna, here's my thought, and I'm going to work on focusing on this new thought. Right having this self-awareness um and mindfulness
1: is is part of it but another really important part is being absolutely honest with ourselves so but not but in a kind compassionate way so you know when i say okay maybe i don't look good today maybe you're being honest but you say but you know what we all have bad days or so we have to change our thinking and you know be really honest with
2: ourselves so and I think you brought up a great point point. and how do we shift from curiosity to judgment what am I thinking what am I feeling what do I need how do I soothe myself and you know often how people soothe themselves is with food and food is okay and how do you understand what other tools do you need so that your self-care toolbox is more than your cookie box? So what actions do you need to take? I mean, I have one client who her go-to is when she's really having a challenging time. She kind of just takes a step back and she, you know, she's a stay at home mom. So she has a little bit more flexibility. Her kids are older and she will take a bath because that's what soothes her. Right. Also, it's noticing, you know, what type of hunger are you looking for? Because there's all different types of hunger. There is, and one of the hardest hungers that I see most often is heart hunger. How do you soothe your heart? Is it, you know, are you needing connection? Is there a broken relationship? Are you mourning? Are you in distress? What is. You know, because that is an emotional hunger that often gets fed with food. Mm -hmm. You could be working in a room all day where there's no windows. And you might need, you know, sight hunger. Maybe you need beauty. Maybe you need a walk in the woods to fill you up with something. Noticing what types of hunger there are. So there's heart hunger. There's cellular hunger. There's touch Are you in need? You know, what was the last human contact that you had with another person or a pet or an animal? Those things can soothe you. So thinking about what it is that's missing with curiosity, not judgment, and how do you fill those different types of hunger? It's an active process. It just doesn't happen.
1: People, these things don't just happen by themselves. We have to be actively seeking this out and doing this on our own. Yes. Or with the help of someone
2: like you. With with support, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's what, you know, and that's what common humanity, a component of self-compassion is about, is that it's common humanity versus isolation. When you are alone... You fall into that self-pity. When you have compassion or, you know, common humanity, you feel connected. So a perfect example of this is that I have my group program, Body, Peace, and Food Freedom. And these women are all different and they're all the same. And the conversation, they feel like the shame and the guilt starts to dissipate the further that we continue together because they know that they are not alone and to hear other people experiencing the same things it lessens that isolation so it is about community connection support education all of those things come together and that is what i have created in my body peace and food freedom program
1: wow that sounds amazing you know support I think in life in general and especially when you're working on yourself is so important and the people we surround ourselves with and we really can't do it alone right because when we get in our own heads who knows where it goes right we get stuck in our heads <laughs> and, right
2: yes we can easily get lost in our own heads and we fall into you know ruminating and catastrophizing So when you think about it, you have this thought, like we have a neutral circumstance, and then all of a sudden we have a thought about it, and that thought creates our feelings or our emotions, and then we have our actions that we take, and then we have the result. So when we notice our thoughts, we can change our thoughts so that we create a different emotion, which creates a different action that ends up with a different result. And when I work with my clients, we focus a lot on our actions and our behaviors because Mm -hmm. that is the linchpin to the change. So we have the ability to change how we think. So through neuroplasticity, we can change our thoughts. And, you know, all of this dieting, everybody thinks it's about the food, and it has nothing to do with the food. It has to do with how the food makes you feel. Right. How, do we get you to, how do we get you other tools in addition to the food? So that it's not that food is not allowed to be used. We learn to use it with discernment. When is it the best practice? Right.
1: Health at every size. I love that. But that's part of your five pillars
2: of success.
1: Could you explain that?
2: Yes. And health at every size is actually the, the thing that shifted my relation shifted my life personally and professionally. Um, I am a former dieter who believed for forty plus years that a thinner body was a better body, that a thinner body was a healthier body, and I spent a lifetime of time, money, and energy focusing on being in a thinner, smaller body. That worked, and then it didn 't work, and it worked and it didn 't work and I was, on, I was constantly dieting and restricting, and what I discovered was that all of my dieting and restriction was actually a form of disordered eating. And when I read the book and found the community health at every size, I discovered that all of my information, everything that I thought to be true about bodies and health and dieting was really not true. And the fact is supported by science that you can be happy and healthy at every size. And now I work with my clients to focus on their actions and their behaviors and not the destination of a number on the scale. We take weighing of food and body off of the table because there are plenty of people who are thin and in unhealthy bodies, and there's plenty of people who are in large bodies who are healthy and unhealthy. It is right. the actions and the behaviors that we take that determines our our health, and it is about our personal health, learning how to be the healthiest that we want to be, not what society says, not what somebody else says. How do you want to feel? How do you want to be in this world? And our health is not just about nutrition. It is about our stress, how well we're sleeping, about the environment that we're in, our relationships, our economics, our society. I mean, we just went through a pandemic. Our health, even if we were physically well, our mental health has been stretched and challenged. Those are the things that make up our whole body health. Food and nutrition are probably 15 to 20%. Not the 80% that everybody touts at us when they're selling you a diet program. Yeah. Yeah. And when we have a body that we can listen, trust, and respect, we are much kinder. There is a book written called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, and she refers to dieting as a life thief that it steals your time, your money, and your energy. And I give back my clients their time, their money, and their energy that they focus on things that are so much more interesting than our body sizes. Right. Like, when and why did our body size become the most interesting thing about us? It yeah. isn't. And it's up to us to understand that. You know, one of the most common questions I do get about the practice of intuitive eating is, you know, will I lose weight? And mm. the honest answer is, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to gain weight, lose weight, or stay the same. From my personal experience, because when I started the practice of intuitive eating, I was on a strict restriction deprivation plan that I had been on for many, many years. And now that I have given myself freedom to eat, and when I see freedom to eat, we're not talking about there's a difference between permission to eat and connecting with our body and binging. When I have learned to give myself permission to eat and honor my hunger and feel my fullness and learn about satisfaction, my weight has shifted and I have gained weight. And I get to enjoy so much more and Mm -hmm. experience different things. And I'm not constantly watching and saying I can't. I get to be living in a richer, fuller life because I have the freedom to now – have exercise of movement that I enjoy versus having to do X number of reps, whether I am in the mood or not in the mood. Um. It's still important for me to be physically active. It's still important to me to nourish my body. But now I nourish my body so that it feels good and, and full and satisfied and not always on that hairy edge of restriction and deprivation that it has to be refed with a binge. Nobody is on their deathbed thinking that they had wished that they had been a smaller size. They're thinking more about their experiences and what life, you know, what did they do? What did they accomplish? How did they feel? Who were their connections? What was their relationships? The end of the day, nobody gives a rip what their body weight was. Right. It's the least interesting thing. And when we shift that perspective, it opens up so many more doors. And food is love and kindness and connection And how, you know, we need food to thrive and survive. How did we turn it into a weapon or a negative thing? And it's all based on society. And if you look back at images, you know, of hundreds of years, when you looked at a body, you know, 100 plus years ago that was in a full-figured woman, she was a sign of wealth and health. Right. Right. It's, you know, they would look at these skinny bodies today and think that they're malnourished and that they're starving and that, you know, they probably are so poor that they can't afford to feed themselves. Right. And, yes, there are those people in this world, and I don't want to make light of people who have food insecurity. What we're talking about in this conversation is, oh, you know, an, an average woman in today's general society because there are people who are experiencing food insecurity and have trauma and challenges and, and need different types of support. It's all about doing the work and shifting from curio- shifting from judgment to curiosity and, you know, shifting from self-esteem to self-compassion and how to be kind to ourselves and how do we talk to ourselves and working through the principles of intuitive eating, rejecting diet culture, honoring your hunger, giving yourself permission to eat. Challenging the food police, those nasty voices, the running commentary about everything that's going on in our heads. Discovering satisfaction, feeling our fullness, coping with our emotions with kindness, finding movement that we love, respecting our bodies, and nutrition comes last so that we continue to practice how food makes us feel versus shifting back to calories and macros. Well, what you've shared today is
1: life-changing, and thank you so much.
0: Hi, guys, and thanks for listening. Sometimes after my podcast, I'll recommend a song to listen to to reinforce the emotions of the podcast. This is about surrounding ourselves with good messages. So, actually, do it. (laughs) The song for today is just the way you are. By Bruno Mars. What I'd like you to really do is listen to the music, listen to the words, and listen to it as if you are singing it to yourself.